All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another Future Focused, where we are living at the intersection of business, technology, and the human experience. I'm looking forward to it. This is a little bit of a continuation of last week. So last week, I started delving into the impact of technology on reporting and analytics and how we can actually analyze behavior change. We're leveling that up this week. This one's going to be a much deeper dive, and we're going to go a lot further on what the possibilities are of technology when it comes to analytics and reporting. And so to navigate that conversation with me, I've got Stephen Wasik, and he's the founder of InfoSentience. And Steve, thanks so much for making the time. I'm looking forward to getting into this, just even based on the energy and the pre-roll. Awesome. Well, Christopher, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Well, so for people who may not be as familiar, I've gotten to know you through this whole process. So I know a little bit more about you, your background, all this other stuff. What's a little bit of background on who Steve is and how you ended up where you are right now? So I took a little bit of a weird path, I would say, to being a technical founder because I, you know I, what, you're not alone in that. Actually, a lot not. of guests we end up being like, oh yeah, last week it was yeah, I started in film school. I'm like, makes perfect. Nothing surprises me anymore. I listened to that. I actually was trying to be a screenwriter, and and uh, at one point, um, I did have an agent. I had my 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 big my peak of my Hollywood career was I met with my agent, and then I got in the elevator, and Leonardo DiCaprio was in it. And I was like 22 at the time. I was like, this is it. I'm, I'm on my way. You made it. You've arrived. It. That was it. That was the peak. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I actually, I got my English degree and uh, I was actually in law school. I was, I was going to school at Northwestern. I was in my third year of law school and I had this idea kind of, uh, it was just a sort of eureka moment. I don't know how else to explain it. I was just sort of sitting Hang in Hang on though, because you were <laughs> Hollywood, Leonardo DiCaprio. Then yeah. You said law school. Correct. So something transitioned, something transitioned even before this. Oh yeah. I'm old, man. If I go through the whole stuff, I mean, I, you know, like, okay, talking no, about you don't have to go through the, okay. But so obviously there were some transitions that then led to law school. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, there's a lot in between. So like, I think, um, yeah, let's just say, say I was in law school, I was sitting in bed and I had this idea, a pretty sort of narrow idea, I would say, which was, I was in a fantasy football league and I was really busy and I didn't know what was going on with even my own team, let alone a lot of the other teams in the league. And I was like, Oh, it'd be cool if there was a, a program that could just kind of give you a report about, Hey, here's the interesting things that are happening. Right. Because I, I follow sports a lot, but I don't even actually watch a lot of sports. I just like the narrative. I like the stats. Uh, and I think a lot of people are like that. And I was like, man, it'd be cool if there was something like so that. You like what's you like following what's going on, but you don't necessarily want to commit the time to watching every single game and trying to stay up on. And that's not necessarily even where you go. Oh, I love doing that. It's more like I just love knowing what's happening and keeping yeah. up to date on sports. Yeah, the narrative, right? Like, what's who's yeah. up, who's down? Like, what's the bigger happening? picture? Honestly, yeah. the bigger picture of what's everything that's happening in that. Exactly, and so, but within my own, you know, my own league that I'm playing there wasn't anything like that. Right. So it's, it, it just felt sort of removed and distant. I mean, if people were sort of talking smack or something that was fun, but there wasn't, it <laughs> wasn't a story otherwise. And so I just had yeah. this idea of like, Oh, it'd be cool to just do this one thing. And I became obsessed with it. And I just started working on it all the time. And as I worked through that, that problem of like, well, how do you actually do that? 
I quickly started to run into some really significant challenges of, of how do you write compelling, how do you get a computer to write something compelling on the basis of statistics? And right. as I started solving a lot of these challenges. So that it doesn't just spit out a bunch of like raw stuff that you're like, well, I do, this isn't. Yeah, I mean, telling me much of anything, right? Or the flip side is, do you just do like a Mad Lib where you just say, "Hey, I'm going to write these same five things every time"? And oh, yeah, carbon copy, where basically every week you get the same thing, and you're like, "Well, all it's done is swap out names, numbers, stats, and kind of boring." Exactly, and I'd love to talk in the future. You know, once we get past the intro, about exactly why that breaks down, because I think it's pretty yeah. interesting. People haven't necessarily yeah, for sure, but. You know, as I started solving these challenges, I realized, hey, wait a second, you know, this is actually <laughs> this is a thing. <laughs> football. And so I started my company, Infosentience, and very fortunately got CBS as a client sort of right out of the gate to do fantasy football reports. And um, we were still doing that. Uh, this was like 12 years ago. So we were, we've been doing generative AI since way before it was cool. And, um, you know, we're still, like I said, we're still doing the fantasy stuff, but we've expanded a lot more. And then we also kind of took a, a weird turn, I would say, as a company, because about two years into our operation, I thought we had technology that was better than, than any of our competitors. But I had another crazy idea for a sort of much more conceptual, uh, much more general AI basis to put our, our okay. reporting on. And I thought it would take me okay. like about six months and it took me eight years. And wow. I didn't, you know, it'd be bad enough if I knew that it was going to take eight years, but I didn't. I always thought it was almost done for eight years. You just thought like, it's just the next is right around the corner. It's almost there. It's funny. You know, I've heard, you know, uh, Elon Musk gets a lot of crap about the self-driving where he's like, we're almost there. We're almost there. And it's like, I, I sympathize with it because it does, <laughs> when you're there, you, you do really feel like it's right there. And it, it, I, I analogize it to being on a tree branch, right? And you're kind okay. of, you, you're trying to go to a certain spot and you're going along the branch and you're sort of moving along and you can see how close you are. And you're like, great, I'm right there. Look at, I can, you kind of, and you analogize from it's how within, much you It's move. within visual cue. Right? I can yeah, see it. I know what it looks now, like. And I only need 10 more. I only need to go 10% farther in this direction but then you're at the end of the branch. Like you cannot go down the branch anymore. You're at the end. And the only way to get to where you need to go is you gotta go all the way back because you went down the wrong branch. So it's like, you gotta go all the way back to the beginning of the tree and try a new branch. And I did that. I mean, I literally started over from scratch seven, seven or eight different times, depending on how you count it. Um, we're literally, I mean, starting up, putting it in Visual Studio. It's like, all right, brand new project, new solution, new, I mean, okay nothing in there. So it's and not something. And I guess this, the kind of analogy, and it makes sense why some of these things were, I get it from the outside, you can be like, well, what the heck? Like if you were so close, yep. why didn't you just, but it's not something where you can just add more to the branch. It's like, no, exactly. there's no, we, we hit a point where there's no more branch to go. We actually have to climb back and find a different path because it won't work. Yep, exactly. It just, it just, the the foundation is is wrong is what you realize and so you have to kind of, and you can obviously take what you have learned sure and there's learnings yeah. and you're probably quicker to go back out a different branch it's not you're repeating the whole thing but you can't just oh just add this little nub on the end and then go out it's like well no the whole thing will fall apart yeah exactly and so that was sort of a weird thing for our company but the good news is you know about two years ago you know we we got to where we needed to be 
and, and our, our technology is now sort of doing all the things that we wanted it to do and more. And, uh, and we've been very fortunate to, to, you know, get some, some great clients that are, that are doing a lot of public facing things, uh, which we can talk about as well, uh, about some of the yeah. places where you might've seen us or, or will see us in, in the, in the near future. So, uh, it's been an exciting sort of, uh, uh journey. And obviously yeah. we're in a great spot right now in the sense that the, the world has sort of come. Yeah. You, you came at like a very like, convenient yeah. intersection of things. Exactly. It's almost like, you know, you, 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 that old outfit that you, that you kept that was out of style for a long time. It's like, it's just been in the closet. <laughs> and it came back and in style. Like, you can pull the, so you can pull the cargo shorts out of the closet and go, Hey, they're in now. Exactly. So okay. that's us. I, I love it. And, you know, so let's, let's talk a little bit about that because we, for those of you who are listening to this, you know, backstage, we were sharing different perspectives on what 2024 is going to be like and how, you know, on one side, I'm looking at this going 2024 is going to be a crazy year. And you were like, I don't, I think we're kind of hitting some stability and I'm looking at it going, I think a lot of companies are starting to go, all right, this whole AI thing was new to me and now it's not new to me. And now I need to do something with it. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, obviously you painted the picture of, Hey, you were trying to understand the narrative better of fantasy sports, which I'm not a sports guy, but I know enough about it to be like, there's a lot you have to keep tabs on. And that's very relevant to organizations, not just fantasy sports leagues of there's a whole lot going on in the industry and your company, all these other things that you're trying to understand. And that's not easy. So talk to me a little bit about what that looks like. Yeah, I think I yeah I did bury the lead about hey what is what is exactly is it that we do? Um, yeah, what is it you yeah, do? So basically, we 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 have technology that can analyze the data set, figure out what's important, and then talk about it like a good either journalist or analyst okay. would talk about that information. So automated reporting using large data sets and. and just like you said, you know, with fantasy sports. So you, you did hang on though, but yeah. you did from you doing this, you did bring some of that journalistic kind of creative that's comes through in this because to the earlier point, you could just spit out a bunch of numbers, Yes, but you recognize now that's not, that's not the secret sauce. No. And, and, and when we originally pitched the, the fantasy idea, the, I, what we said was we want to give people a front page experience, not a back page experience. I'm obviously dating myself okay. from, from newspapers where, you know, you have the box score right on the back page and that's not where people turn to, right? They don't pick up the, no. the page, like, let me go to the box. Scores they and pick the front page and they go, yeah, they're reading the they want to see a headline. They want to see a picture. Right. And that's what we do with our fantasy stuff. We have headlines and pictures and sub headlines and highlights and all these other things where, where we're trying to talk about the most compelling things that happened, okay. right? And that gives people the context. And that same exact process happens within a business data, right? Like if you're looking at sales data For or sure. financial data, there's tens, you know, however, depending on the size of your data set, there might be tens oh. of thousands of numbers and tens of thousands of stories, right? That you could talk about, but you want to know what are the most compelling things, right? And yeah. you can either have somebody do that, which takes a lot of time, or you can have a computer do that for you in and especially and there are situations where you know for fantasy as an example where you have millions of these things where there's not even an option to have a, a human being do it no i think what you're getting at and that's that to me is one of the areas why i get so excited about the possibilities of technology with this is in some situations there is literally too much information for any human 
to process. It's just, they'd spend lifetimes doing it or the speed at which you need it. A human couldn't do it fast enough by the time you got the information, be like, well, this is irrelevant because this is already, this is already old news. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and the, our ability to gather data has far outpaced our ability to analyze it and synthesize yes. it. So that's where yeah, we create, we create and have far more data than we know what to do with. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, very typical for companies to have, to be gathering tons of data that they can't use. Um, and oh, I see it all the time. All the I time. see it all the time. All the time. So that's where ideally our company comes into play is that basically anything that you could teach a human analyst to do with numbers, our system okay. can also do. Okay. So on that one, well, uh, let's see, where do I want to go with this? <laughs> so let's talk about that in particular from a technology standpoint and in some ways how the technology is pulling that off. Mm -hmm. I do think it's helpful because I know a fair amount of the folks, if you're listening to this, you're at least familiar to, with technology because nobody listens to my stuff. That's like, I don't know anything about technology, but you do have a unique way of doing that because it is more than just, Hey, we take a bunch of you know, Excel data or acts databases, and then we just run it through a filter and then pop out, you know, what we've meta tagged as the most relevant stuff. Yes. And one of the key things that I should note at the very beginning here, talking about the technology is that we are not an LLM, which okay. obviously all the rage right now, when you say generative AI, people oh, yeah. instantly think, okay, chat GPT or something yeah. like that. And that is not the path that we went down, which I think is beneficial for us, at least in the moment, because a lot of these LLMs, they don't work really well with large data sets, right? So they, have they also don't work well with accuracy. Always. Yes. That's, that's also something that can be very dangerous with LLMs is if you go, it's one of the resistances that I see companies to going, Hey, throw an LLM on top of all of your stuff. And then employees can just ask and get the answer. And it's like, no, because it may not pull the right thing or the way it frame, it may not be terribly accurate, which if you're looking for the headlines to make decisions and things like that, that can be a risky game to play. It's very risky. And, and beyond that, if it does mess up, there's really no way to sort of debug it, right? You can't just say, oh, don't yeah. do that again, right? Or, or if you're saying, <laughs> we don't want this particular type of information, can we just subtly change it? Those things are really, really difficult to do because you're talking about systems that have, in some cases, hundreds of billions of parameters. So there's not like one yep. little dial that you can go in there and say, oh, just make this 20% more. You know, they're, they're really hopelessly complex to understand from the outside. So our system avoids that because we, we use what we call conceptual automata, which is a system where we create classes within our, or sort, sort of small models within our system okay. that have been built right? But that have intelligence to be able to sort of talk with each other and then self-assemble into a narrative. And I'll give you just a, an example of a, a small piece of what that would look like. So you and I, we have a concept of a team, right? That's in our head. Yep. So we can put that into our system and, and say, okay, here's a concept yep. of a team and give it some characteristics. Each of those characteristics are their own conceptual automata that are, you know, have their own connections, yeah. right? But we can align on what those things are so that Absolutely. we're creating some of these parameters and some consistency around that. And you can that see is exactly agreed upon. Yeah, is agreed upon. Yeah. And you can say that's where the team is in this in this system. And then you can also have 
events or calculations, things like, hey, what is a streak? Okay, well, a streak is a series of, a, of the same event that happens over time, right? And we can say, right. well, one of, the, one of those events could be a team winning a game. And we can map out, what does that mean? It means that they score more points than the other team. So you, then you can put right. all that together and say, okay, well, a team is on a winning streak, right? And in our system, instead of that being like one function that says like, okay, because you can imagine, you know, being a programmer and saying, okay, let me write up a function that says, okay, let's grab this team and let's look at their past games and, you know, whatever else. In our system, it's not like that. It's all these concepts, individual concepts. Being reassembled. They're together. And, and the key thing about that is then as you get more and more complex with a narrative, right, you can keep all that intelligence together as it, as it builds. So for instance, if you say, okay, this team's on a winning streak and this other team's on a losing streak. Now you can just join those two together, right? But every other thing in the system knows all of its subcomponents. So for instance, if you are talking about, you know, that same, um, that same team, again, in the next sentence, it can reference like, hey, have I mentioned this team before, right? Maybe yes. I don't mention their full name. Instead of saying like the Los Angeles Chargers, maybe I just say the Chargers, right? That's a small example, yeah. but there's all sorts of things like that where you have to worry about repetition, you know, with, with what's gone before, like what naturally can build off of this sentence, right? Yeah. All these little things that yeah, are- Yeah, there's rules great. and logic behind all that so that it's intelligent. Because I'm even just thinking, again, for people who are listening who go, how is this different than a large language model? If you asked ChatGPT what teams are on a winning streak, <laughs> what you might get back would be, I mean, you, you just have no idea because you don't know how it's defining. And it's just looking for patterns of words to be able to go, well, what's a streak? What's a team? Like it's defining it through whatever criteria that you really don't know. And if you don't like what you get to your point, you can't just go show me. It's not easy at all to then try and tweak the dials to go, right. okay, now that's giving me a, at least not consistently. Like you might get, okay, this result got it for me, but you try and replicate that. It's not easy. Yeah. And, and in our system, I mean, there's still a lot of complexity because once you start building this thing up again, we had this idea of, oh, okay, yeah. team, but then it has characteristics. So it's connected. So it's getting all this different intelligence, every single interaction, there's a lot of crosstalk going on between these concepts. But at the end of the day, we can look at, at the pathways that, that, they, yes. that they use to create something. So if we have something that appears in our narrative or our reporting that you're like, ah, I don't want that to appear for all sorts of reasons. Either it's incorrect or it's not being written correctly, or it's, it is happening, but it's not that interesting, or it doesn't make sense in this context, given what you're talking about. I and mean, there's so many different ways that something could be not yep. ideal in a in a narrative yep. or a report we can always look at the pathways to say okay why was this selected at the end of the day we can point to okay here were the factors that went into it and then we can change any of those factors because all of the at the end of the day everything in our system comes down to these concept objects that we create yep. manually right um and to be clear because there's a lot of things that are shared across analytic uh, reporting, such, such, such as just being on a streak or something being an outlier, yeah. event, things like that. It's like we can model those once and then use that for every application. Yes. So we don't have to start over from scratch with every new 
kind of like the tree analogy you were describing where it's like, well, you don't actually have to then go all the way back to the beginning. You actually can't say, well, we've already built this framework out. We can copy and paste this or replicate it in a different way. Absolutely. So that, so a lot of our new projects, you know, they, we start, you know, 80% of the way there and it's really just about what are the unique aspects of your data that, that we need to add to the, the base system. Well, and what's interesting about you describing this is it's probably been a couple months now since I had this conversation, but Kevin Saras and I had a conversation about large language models and some of the challenges with this. And one of the biggest challenges is it's the opposite of what you used to have to do with logic and things in that you used to give it a bunch of parameters and it would only do what the parameters were that you gave it with generative AI, all of a sudden it was like, it's everything. And you have to try and tell it everything you don't want it to do. Mm -hmm. And it's a black box in terms of, well, I don't know what criteria or parameters it's even using. And so you've actually, in many ways, solved that by saying, well, let's find that right balance of let's create the right kind of parameters, but still have the openness of artificial intelligence, but in a controlled way that then gives you a consistent analytical approach, which is a very good thing for analytics and reporting. <laughs> yeah, and I would say the fact that our system is not as generalizable is is why we're not you know worth a trillion dollars. But from a client standpoint, they just want it to work for them. So yeah, point, it, it, the fact that it's much more specific and takes a little bit of time to to customize. Right. That's sort of our issue. Uh, and um, and from a client standpoint, yeah. we just want it to work. They don't care that, that this thing also works for 50,000 other use cases. But I think the thing with that, and I think this is where we're going to see artificial intelligence continue to move. And I think you're ahead of the curve to your point of, in many ways, you're ahead of the curve in this. I completely agree because that general use case, while wildly popular, ends up in some ways being so generalized that mm-hmm. it's also very difficult to get it to do a specific thing that you're trying to get it to do. Like I really need it to do this, which sometimes that's fine because it's like, well, the implications of it aren't really that big of a deal. Like I don't really care on that. But when I think about how companies and anybody should be using analytics and reporting, that's not something you just want to like back of the napkin swag, like, eh, I don't know, like, is it, you know, relatively generically close? Because I've been in plenty of meetings where people are arguing about the accuracy of, hey, we're about to make a multi-million dollar decision on this. Is this the right information to be making that decision? And you don't want to go, ah, I don't know. I mean, it's probably close enough. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that's why a lot of these LLMs aren't used in in wide-ranging detail no. data-based questions right and, and there's also just really complicated logical questions that you you have to put into the system that i don't think that these llms are able to handle where it's kind of like all right this, th- there's this number but you have to take it into context with this other number and you have to weight it because it's only actually five percent of our sales and all these different things like that that where, where you're adding more and more complexity to the logical operation and needing it to have the system then balance that with 50 other stories that are just like that, that have a whole bunch of other different weights and then try to figure out well, yeah. which one of these things is quote unquote, the most important. 
you know, that's- well, I have to ask because yeah. based on your background and all of this, what you've created is more than just like somebody who went out and created a GPT on open AI and was like, Hey, I have like an idea yes. of how to, this right. is a very complex. Yes. Did you have a technical background or like, where did that come from that you went? I know what I'm trying to do. I see what's at the end of this branch, but now I got to try and build this because what you've described is far more complex than I don't, I don't know everybody who's listening or who will watch this, but I understand the complexity behind this. And this is not something that you spin up over the weekend when you're like, Oh yeah, I just kind of like created a thing. Yeah. I I did take programming in high school and I just sort of stopped with it. Like I actually, I tried to start a a company when I was like 19. That was (laughs) so, it was so bad that it's almost, I, I, I look at the other people, like the adults in my life. And I was like, guys, couldn't you have told me that this was beyond stupid? It's almost like if somebody, it, you know, that, that phrase, not even wrong, you know, where it's like, yeah. it's like, you ask somebody, Hey, what's your business plan? And they just like said banana. It's like, that's as good as, as my, like, where it's just like, Wait, hold on. No, but, and, but, they, but they meant it. They just said the banana, like they didn't even, it's just so bad. But anyhow, I, I, I kept up with programming and then, you know, with the, with being in law school, a lot of, a lot of the things that I'm doing have some analogous kind of pathways to some of the stuff you're doing in law school, where you're trying to take yeah. logical sort of combinations of fact patterns and trying to figure out like how, how do these fit together? And, uh, you know, like I said, I had a background in, in English. So all that sort of came together and, and there was no book about this. Not like I missed taking this class and, in, well, no, what you described, you couldn't have signed up for a, you know, Udacity boot camp in how to do this type of a thing. You were building it from the ground up. Yeah. It's just all about sort of logical operations and their interaction with language. So I had actually a sort of decent conceptual background with that between okay. being an English major and, and, and going to law school. And, and then I had at least basic tools from, from, from coding. I, I certainly okay. was not You look at some of the code that I did back then. It's, it's pretty atrocious, but you know, I had enough that I could get started. And, uh, and so I you just have chat GPT fix it for you. Maybe you I can, did, yeah, you can revive your, yeah. maybe you can revive your childhood dream. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that's kind of how, how I went about okay. it. And, and yeah. No, but that makes sense. And again, listening to, I always love listening to people's stories because for me, I'm all about understanding skills and the impact on human behavior and hearing how these journeys come together. Because again, I have to, like law school, I think about the logics and the operation. How do you interpret the law and what do you do to going into making a decision about, well, this is what the law says, but what does that actually mean? And how do we do that? So it makes sense that that combination of things would then come together and say, okay, here's how we're going to do this around reports. So something you said earlier, though, that I almost went down this path and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to unpack the technology first. But you talked about how essentially what you're doing is doing what an analyst would do. And I talk a lot about the fact that from an employee standpoint, there's a lot of fear going around the world right now. Around what does this mean for Because maybe if you're an analyst listening to this and you're going, wait a minute, this is doing my job for me, but I don't see it that way. But I am curious, like, how does this end up working when you work with an organization? Because I can see people going, wait, you're just basically getting an AI model to do my job for me. 
Yeah, I mean, I I would definitely be worried in the medium term. I wouldn't be worried in the short term. We're, we're certainly not going to replace analysts with our technology and LLMs aren't going to replace analysts with, with their existing technology. And I would say that we're sort of approaching approaching the analytical problem from two different directions when it comes to LLMs and us. And what we can do is, is because we're custom and because we're building these models ourselves, we can be 100% accurate. We can um, you know, balance all the factors that we put into the system perfectly, right? So, but yeah. the problem is that, that the number of factors is, is limited, right? Yeah. So, so we could say, all right, we're gonna balance, you know, let's just say, your sales in this particular category, but weight it by how much the, these sales make up your total your total sales, right? So if we're trying to find what's the most yeah. interesting thing that happened, maybe this particular product was up 80%, but it's 1% of sales, right? So it's like, okay, how do we balance that out, right? Yeah. But you could imagine something where within a company, you have, uh, you always do a huge Memorial Day sale or something, right? And so, that's another factor too, right? If we're going to say like, oh, this is a big increase and we want to showcase it, you know, we have to think about, okay, well, this is our- Yeah, sale. you have to look at those other factors to go, yeah, there was a big increase, but we also ran our annual Black Friday sale. So of course we had a big increase. So that's not front page headline news. Exactly. And maybe actually we need to compare this this year to last year over the same time period. Whereas normally we're just comparing this week to last week. Right. Yep. And so now that's something that we can put into our system. Right. We can put that into there that. But at some point, we're not going to have all the factors. Right. Whereas a human yeah. analyst can do all the factors. Right? So but then from an LLM standpoint, it kind of can do all these factors. It just can't necessarily do them well. Right. So it can kind of yep. there, it, because it's generalizable, it can think through all these different things. It, like if you ask an LLM, hey, is this a scenario where you'd want to analyze something differently, right? It, it could probably actually think through that, but it can't actually put that all together, you know, into, a, yeah. into a, a, an actual report. So human beings can do both of those things right now, right? Where you have the ability to be sort of think in true concepts, right? Where it's like, this is a sale, this has this effect, it's this time period, we can have these sort of discrete things that we can mash together in a very predictable way to come up with the correct answer, like not hallucinate, yeah. right? Yep. Um, and also have the flexibility. So for right now, you know, there's definitely a lot of things that we can do, but we we don't have the ability to take into account every factor, right? We can only sort of model the yeah. key factors, which is obviously very helpful. And in certain situations, you know, can even be kind of the whole enchilada, right? Depending on how yeah. many factors there are. But most human analysts, I think, are in situations where ahead of time, you, you don't even know all the factors that are going to go into it. And so you have to have like the flexible human intelligence to be like, hey, something came up and it's actually, you know, it's Debbie in accounting that's out sick, you know, or something. And so this is why this is, you know, all these different things that yeah. are yeah. part of the data are things that human analysts can still provide value for. Now, eventually, if you have sort of the merging of the LLMs and kind of what we're doing, where you have LLMs that can think in these discrete concepts that are sort of manipulable, right? Where they can take a concept and just sort of look at it from a different angle or apply it to something in, in the same way that human beings have, then you have sort of general AI, but then, 
you know, if you're an analyst, like who cares? Like everybody's out of work at that point. So it's, I don't know. Well, and what's interesting about it though, and no, but I, I like talking about these things because to me, when I listen to a lot of this, I, because I spend so much time studying human behavior and psychology, I know people's like initial reactions. And so as soon as you said it does what an analyst does, my immediately went, someone somewhere will hear that and go, this thing does what I can do. But as I listen to you describe it, it absolutely is changing the role of the analyst over time. It absolutely is. But in many ways, a lot of what you described is that, well, who's setting the parameters? Who has that knowledge to be able to go, this is it. And that again is not static. That's the other thing people don't take, at least not for good analysts. Good analysts are adapting and learning, hey, what's the ecosystem of the organization? What environmental factors are happening? that we need to account for things like this so that you're constantly tweaking and manipulating and going, hey, you know what, we need to change this kind of a thing, but you're actually interacting with that. And then having that human oversight of, well, only, you know, the Debian accounting had this change that affected this type of, that's such contextual information yeah. and AI it's terrible at context. Yeah. It's, it, it's awful at context. It does not have that. And so, I see how it absolutely, if you're an analyst and all your job is, is to go run the report, get the information, plug it into a thing. It is going to disrupt that yes. in a sense over time. But does you do you become less relevant? No, I think if anything, the value you bring actually becomes more relevant, but you need to be focusing on those other areas. If you're trying to master your skill of creating the most intriguing headlines out of the data, you might want to rethink where you're investing your time and energy. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that we've done with our technology, because we, we have it think conceptually, it allows it to sort of dive into any aspect of the data. And we have an interactive, I think yeah. I showed you the, the, the interactive demo that we have where you, you can have a report and it could have a, a sentence that's interesting. We think, oh gosh, like this, this number moved a lot. Like it might just mention that as a piece of context for for the larger point, but you say you might say as an analyst, "Hey, I want more information on that." Well, with our system, you can actually literally double click on a sentence and get a brand new report just on that topic. And so, yeah. I think a lot of what we can do is help an analyst essentially navigate through the numbers. They can get the top line information, and then if anything else is interesting, they can dive into that and get a report. But then we can literally, you know, drag and drop a sentence into a chart or into a table to get the raw numbers behind it. So that we can say, all right, I, I, I now actually want to see this for myself, but it's a way of sort of choosing your own adventure with analytics yeah. that allows you to very quickly both get the top line sort of here's the, 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 the key information that you need to know from the computer, but then also be able to, you know, keep going into that. And then when you're actually making the report to the higher ups, be able to add those human touches, right? Where the things that yep. only, you know, or even saying, okay, I'm going to, pull this paragraph out of this report and this paragraph out of this other report and assemble it myself, because I know yep. that these are, these are the, well, and that's, I was just going to, that was the second half that I was, you, you led right into it, which is also the fact earlier, we said any organization today, literally, it doesn't matter how small you are. Like my dad and mom and my brother, and my sister have a tiny funeral home, small chain of funeral homes up in Northern Minnesota. They create more data than they know what to do with. Yep. So any organization, you don't have enough analysts to even look at what you have and make sense of it. And again, like you said, 
the ability for an analyst, instead of trying to make sense or find or seek all this stuff out, the ability to go, hey, I don't need to spend my time doing that because most of the ones I know, that's not where they love spending their time anyway. They'd mm-hmm. rather be contextualizing and making sense of this. Yeah. But then to your second point there, people, and I deal with this on corporations all the time where those senior leaders, they still want that human interpersonal relationship of the person that understands what matters to you and the kinds of things that really help you make decisions and all this context that again, they don't want to go to a dashboard and have to figure all this stuff out themselves. They want that level of personal service of that person who knows me, knows what I'm trying to figure out and can get that information. And again, the interpersonal skills I think that is a big shift. The interpersonal skills of an analyst absolutely would need to grow as a result of this because that's going to be where you're spending more of your time going, I know that Steve really likes this information. This headline is really, I know he's going to want to know about this. So let me get those details so that I can make sure I'm prepared to be able to articulate, hey, here's the context. Yes, I know this jumps out at you, but keep in mind this yeah. is due to this factor. And we actually don't want to p- spend a whole lot of attention and get distracted because you may end up throwing a bunch of time and money on something. I actually don't think that's going to be the best path you take. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's still a, a tremendous amount of higher level generalized thinking that analysts uh, who are working with our technology still need to provide. Right. If you're, if you're, a, what we're talking about is if you're a great analyst that is doing that kind of analytical interpersonal work, then yeah, there's absolutely, in my mind, places for all these people. So that's where the narrative of like AI is coming for our jobs. I was like, I not, it may be coming for your jobs as they are today. Yes. And I think Mm -hmm. we're going to see a lot more of that in 2024 where people go, well, I used to do this. Now I don't have to. And you're like, well, yeah. And if you're going to sit, you know, if you're a finance professional still in, you know, insisting on doing long division math right. on your thing, you're probably going to struggle to find a company that goes, that's the person yeah. we need to have as our CFO type of a thing. Yeah. And you could just look at some of the products that we've done on, in the journalism space, particularly if, if you look at CBS, we, you know, I mentioned we did fantasy reports, but we've since expanded to doing covering all sorts of actual sporting events, like, you know, the NBA, NFL, college basketball. I mean, we produce, tens and tens of thousands of articles that go onto the CBS site that people do not realize are written by a computer. They read just like they're written by a human being. And, but the thing is that it really didn't, it certainly didn't put anybody out of work because it's just, there was a lot of articles, things like, all right, if you're writing a preview of the Super Bowl, they got a, they got a writer to do that. Fine. But if you're writing about the preview of some, you know, random, uh, Little league championship. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody is just like, all right, this is like a Tuesday against like, you know, Washington state is playing some D two school. Like they don't have a writer who's talking about what's going on with this game. And so that's what we did was sort of fill in all the, all the games where it's like, gosh, we'd love to have coverage of this, but we don't have somebody to do it. And, and then, and some, or, 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 there have been articles that would have been written up by a person, but it wasn't like the articles that they were really excited about writing. It's like, Hey, you're on, you know, this beat right now where you got to write the preview for this game and write that, you know, they'd rather be writing about, you know, something a lot more interesting. That's, that's yeah. much more uh, uh, complicated, right. From a human standpoint, it's like, okay, this person's doing really well. 
but how do we take into account, you know, like the, the strength of schedule or what they're doing with their coach or their personal, what, you know, that they're in trade rumors or something else, you know, all these other things that hu that human journalists are going to be able to do that our system yep. has no chance of doing. It's like, those are also the things that are more interesting, I think, for humans to write rather than, you know, the 800th preview of, you know, this team versus this team. So in general, it's been articles that weren't even written before. And to the extent that it replaced yeah. human writing, it's the, the journalists are like, thank you. Like I can actually write about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and I love that you brought that point up because I continue to encourage people not to just think about artificial intelligence as, oh, what are we doing today that we could have artificial intelligence doing? But instead going, what are the things that we wish we could do or we see opportunity, but we just go realistically from a resource capacity, from a plan. We can't do it. I can't justify doing that kind of work because I don't have the time, the dollars, the capacity to do that kind of stuff. Instead of just thinking about, okay, what are we doing today? So now how do we automate or optimize this? And the companies and the people I talk to who lean into that actually are some of the ones who are leading the charge because they're starting to see, well, we can actually grow in different ways than we ever could have before. And we're actually able to differentiate in ways we couldn't before because we started thinking outside the box of, well, here's where we are right now. So how do we just keep iterating on the same things? Yeah, that's a great point. And I certainly encourage anybody who's listening, who is part of an organization that has a lot of data to think about, hey, if we had a thousand analysts that were just working for free, what could we do? Or a thousand writers or journalists. Yeah. What are the things that we could do? Because it's it I, I will say that's a challenge for us as a company is that we don't, you know, we don't necessarily know those things either, especially from looking outside of a company, right? It's like we don't know right. what type of data you have. We don't know what's going to move the needle in terms of the types of communications that you would make with your clients or your potential customers or your stakeholders or whatever that is. You know, we don't necessarily know what those things are from the outside. So it's a little bit of a challenge for us where if the people inside aren't thinking about it because they don't know about the technology and then we exactly think about it because we don't know all of the the needs and and the data that you have right so that's one yeah. of the big disconnects that we have and, and 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 one of the challenges that we face in in getting new clients right is that there's yeah. people aren't thinking about the possibilities and no. from our standpoint we can't really necessarily you can't come to them and go hey we know that. where you could lean into that you're exactly. not doing today because like well you only you have the intellectual capital to know where those opportunities lie but i i want to double like hit on this point because it is so critical and there is so much opportunity and i know from an employee standpoint there are lots of people who have really great ideas to that question of if we had all the capacity, what would we do? They have great ideas, but a lot of times people are like, well, I don't want to bring this up because I don't have time or capacity to do this, or I don't have the resources. So it ends up staying quiet versus you start socializing that and going, hey, what if we dove into this and what is the way we get there? Well, let's use artificial intelligence. Let's use the latest in tech to help us create that capacity so we don't have to go make a business case for $1.2 million in headcount and mm -hmm. overhead and technology. We don't have to do that. We can just go, that's a great idea. And you don't have that same fear of failure of, well, let's try it. If it ends up not doing anything, 
we turn it off. Right. We don't have to fire anybody. We don't have right. to lay anybody off. We don't got to cut that part of the organization out. We just say, eh, lesson learned, change our path. Exactly. And I, I will say, once we start the process, the burden on our clients is very, very low. Typically, it's just, hey, we need to have access to data, which is usually pretty easy because we just use the same methods that they use internally. And we need to have some examples, right? So just write up what you want to have. And then we look at the data. We say, yeah, we can get from A to B. And that's basically all you need to do as a, as, as a, as a client. Yeah. Of ours. And I will say, too, you know, speaking of getting ter turned off, which obviously we don't want to have happen uh, from, from our standpoint, but I, I will say that uh, every single product that we've ever launched, I mean, we've been in business for 12 years, uh, none of them have been turned off. Like every single one of the uh, products that we have launched, we are still doing today. Every single client that we've worked with, we're still working with today. So uh, yeah. it's been a, a good, uh, we've had a good success rate in terms of when we roll something out and people will have a chance to use it, uh, they like it. So that's another yeah. To, well, to and not only do you not fire somebody, you probably hopefully want to. I, I want there's there's something else I want to ask you about. But what I was going to say is, from a turn off standpoint, where I was thinking about it is, let's say you said, "Hey, we want to start running reports on this thing to see if it adds value," and you realize it's not. It's not really getting us what we thought. So you pivot. You pivot, and you didn't hire a bunch of analysts to research a bunch of data that you then go, ah, oh, well now what are we going to have these people doing? You go, you know what? Let's redirect those resources. It's much easier from a flexibility standpoint. Cause again, based on what you said, I can't see a world where you'd go, you know, the ability to turn these things on and off, spin these things up, get this kind of information. I don't really think that's important, but I can see it creating more of an environment of experimentation on, well, let's explore the depths of something maybe we hadn't before. And if it turns out there wasn't anything down that rabbit hole, okay, we learn from it, we move on, we look somewhere else. Yeah, and going back to the point I was I was making earlier about when we model something, a lot of times we have a start, right? So we start, you know, 80% along the way, and then it's just the unique aspects of your particular data. Well, yeah. that same thing holds even more if we've done something for you as a client. And so even if the report that we create isn't necessarily what you need, at that point, we you know, we kind of have access to the data. We have a lot of the, the intelligence that your company is using modeled into our system. And so the cost to then say, oh, let's try actually, you know, instead of sending this out to our internal team, like what if we could make a, a more generalized version that we could send out to our clients, like on a weekly basis so that they get like a weekly newsletter of what's going on with their data or how things are progressing. That usually is a lot easier. And, and this has happened with CBS where, all right, we did football first and that took a lot of work. But then when they said, all right, let's cover basketball, it's not like we're starting over from scratch, right? We it, This is a yeah. much smaller lift. And so each progressive sport that we've added has been for less and less money. Um, and so that is another benefit to sort of starting starting the process of working with us and having us model this stuff is that once it's there, you know, everything else can often is like much, much easier. Right. And, and a lot of times yeah. even just delivery stuff where it's like, okay, we're sending out an email, but now can we put, you know, can we do this as a, as a website, right? Can we, individual right. Web can we step it up? Can we add another component? Can we make it? Yeah. And again, that's where I just continue seeing so much opportunity to think bigger. And I think that's an area that people just have historically struggled to do because bigger just always feels unattainable. Mm -hmm. or it feels like too much versus 
now it's becoming so much more attainable in my opinion. And that's what to me is so exciting about technologies about like what you're doing, which by the way, I'm a big fan. So since you're a sports person and into the whole journalist thing, and we talked about, you know, how you have some of these things, writing articles on some of these sports things, I have to imagine you saw the whole sports illustrated debacle. Are you familiar with that whole thing? Well, I thought that there was like two different ones that like there was. The well, the one they people found out that they were presenting sports writers as real people that were AI. And then it ended up just causing a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, was because I thought that it was actually I thought that it was like reviews or something. Maybe I'm, I'm getting that wrong. No, they were publishing oh. articles. But they were being said like if this was written by so and so and representing that as a person, but mm -hmm. it wasn't a person. And I read some of the articles that they took slack for, and I was like, yeah, that was bad. Like that was that was really bad what you put out. So I'm actually curious because this does get back to that like, where do you draw that line on that? of that. And to me, my issue, as I looked at it was more with the misrepresentation mm -hmm. of you said it was John or Amy right. sports writer. You wrote a whole profile and created an AI generated headshot for this right. fake person. And I, my reaction was, I think that's more what people reacted to less the like, okay, so some of these news articles, like I get you didn't put a journalist on it type of a thing, but this was crap content and you represented it as it, though it was done by one of your top journalists. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. There's there's tons of articles that are pretty openly written by AI, including ours, including ones on yeah. stocks and everything else. Nobody cares as long as it's, it's pretty clear that that's what was happening. And yeah, exactly, like creating a fake headshot you know profile picture and everything else i mean <laughs> um i mean it's double i mean i think we actually could probably get away with that because i think our stuff is good enough that you couldn't tell it was written by a human being but, or, <laughs> by a human being, but if you're also going to make it bad it's just it's almost like you're misrepresenting it and you're insulting the person's intelligence or just like yeah i'm you know this is obviously uh written by a computer so but yeah i think as long as you're upfront about it i mean then I think that it's fine. You know, I think that people, yeah. especially again, you know, with something like, you know, we're, we're working with Max Preps, which is the largest high school sports company, uh, high school sports site in the, in the United States. Obviously, they're not going to write 100,000 articles every every week, right? But people still like having right. coverage, especially if you're taking the time to produce something that's real quality, that's actually, you know, surfacing some interesting context. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, this is, this is the biggest victory they have over such and such team since, you know, 2014, you know, or whatever, or looking at, you know, oh, they got, they're facing this other team, but they're not going to have, you know, their star quarterback from last year who did this last time they played. I mean, these are all just like the, the, the basic things that you'd want to talk about. Uh, if you were a, a human journalist trying to find the most interesting stories. And if you're surfacing those things, I think then you're providing real value in a way that if you're just doing a Mad Lib, where you're just kind of saying, hey, they won, yep. you know, they won this to this, their record is now X, they play this team next week. It's like, all right, I guess that's something, but it's like, especially if you're trying to play that off as being written by a human being, like people are going to get pretty upset yeah. with what you're doing. No, and I think that's, as I watch the whole thing unfold, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not even a sports person, but I follow the tech industry and I'm an analyst on that end. And to me, the unfortunate part with it was, 
people pointed the finger at artificial intelligence mm. as kind of the initial reaction. And I leaned into that going, that is not, this was poor decision-making on behalf of people. Again, the misrepresentation of it, the other, my, my overall, I've done a fair amount of surveys and had a number of conversations to your point. Most people are like, I don't, a lot of things, I don't care whether an actual human being wrote this thing or not, but don't lie to me about it. And also like be more trans. I think the transparency thing is what really set people off. And to me, that was unfortunate because I went, yeah, this is going to be one of those things that then makes people go, yep, see, this is why you shouldn't do AI. And I'm like, no, 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 no. There are things that you shouldn't do. Yes. But the using leveraging AI and you know what, maybe they should have used your AI and they wouldn't have run into the same issue. Well, that's definitely true. So that's definitely true. We know that. Us, that for sure. uh, but it's kind of a conclusion. Like I am curious, as you look at what organizations are doing, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the practical use cases backstage. We talked about like, where do you see organizations going with this in terms of helping them? Obviously, yeah, if you're a sports publication, Great. We've unpacked that one plenty. But if you're a business, if you're in manufacturing, if you're some of these other businesses doing this, you're in healthcare, where do you see companies starting to go, hey, you know what? This kind of technology could really help take us from where we are now to where we want to be. Yeah, unfortunately, we run into the same problem that that I mentioned before, where from the outside, we can't 100% know. So I think maybe the best thing to do is just talk a little bit about some of the use cases that we're doing right now. We have a pretty broad range of different types of, of products that we're, we're doing. We, we did mention the sports stuff. We, we have a product with the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, which is rolling out here in the next couple months, where we basically take okay. all of the commodity data and use that to generate reports. So it's sort of similar to uh, what we do for CBS, where we have sports data, then we generate sports articles. It's like, hey, we're generating articles about the commodity market. The one of the things that's a little bit different about that is that the, the commodity market's changing like every minute, right? So this, yeah. this is our system is going to as well. So basically at any moment, you can get articles about what is going on, you know, right now in the corn markets, like here it is. <clears throat> and five minutes from now, that article is going to be a different article because the numbers will change. So that's something that I think is, is pretty interesting. We work with uh, a, a, a marketing company called Tenuity that that does uh, B to C marketing campaigns, right? Where they have all these pieces of information about different campaigns that they're trying. Like, what are the conversion rates? What are the costs? Like, what are the different channels that we're working on? Right? Again, just a sea of data that's very very hard to make sense of. And our system is able to create reports for their internal team, right? To be able to look at that. And so. You can do reports that are public facing, that, that are just general people can read, right? Which yeah. is what we do with CBS or the CME. You can do reports that are individualized to, to your clients or customers, which like our fantasy reports like that. But you can imagine other stuff where if you're a portfolio manager, let's say, for and you're working at Charles Schwab and you have all these clients, obviously they send out reports at the end of the year, right? Here's what's going on with your data, but it's not really customized. It's, the numbers are custom, but the narrative isn't custom, right? Like, Right, it's the bad lib. It's the mad yeah. lib where it's like, here's the thing we send to every single customer, but all we did was swap swap right. your you numbers swap. and you know that. your name in, but basically you got a generic, which personalization to me is king 
in the few people have an expectation of personalization. The problem with a Mad Lib is that the way to do it, the way to set it up is to say, what are the, the things that are always going to happen that people care about? Right. Which yep. is cool. All right. That's fine. It gives you the basic stuff. But the things that are always going to happen are by definition, not particularly interesting, right? Because yes. they always happen, right? Like if you say, hey, going back to sports, hey, the team won and now here's their record and here's who they're playing the next week, right? Those are always going to happen, but they're not interesting, right? It didn't say like, hey, like yep. this is the fifth straight week now that they've lost as an underdog or something. It's like, oh, that's interesting, right? And the same thing with your own personal financial information. Yeah, it's always going to go up. It's always going to go down. You know, and it's but it's like, do you have the context of like, gosh, you know, like it was this sector that was driving oh, your portfolio yeah. or whatever it was where, you know, this is the, you know, we, we've actually done better versus our goals now for three straight years or where you've outperformed the market for, you know, this, whatever it is where you're looking at what are the actual compelling things that you care about? You yep. can't know that in advance, right? By definition, right? Like there's just too many things that, 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 that could happen. And so, yeah, getting to this personalization you know, it's so important. It's not just a sort of aesthetic thing. You're like, oh, this reads, this reads better. It's like the reason that you think it reads better if you're reading something that's, that's well-written is because it's actually telling you the information that you need to know. And you're being able to in the way that, in it. the way that resonates with you. Yeah. Cause it's, it's structured well, so you can understand how everything relates to each other. All those things are super important. And again, you know, it is hard for me to say from the outside kind of exactly what we could do. But, um, but again, I'll help you out on this one. So yeah. think about <laughs> no, but as an analyst, what could you do? What could you send out internally, externally? Could you make it a website? Could you make it an email? Could you, um, you know, do this for your own training data for LLMs potentially? That's something that we thought about doing in the future. You know, there's just so much that you could do if you have the ability to create reports or content on a near limitless scale. And so that's what I would just encourage people to think about who are listening to this. You know, what could you do if it was just free to create content or reporting? Well, and like I said, I can give you a hand on this because I deal with this on so many levels, especially on the internal side. Mm -hmm. So from the external, what do you do to the market? How do you, I'm not on the PR media side of things, but internally, when I think about how many people, and I mean, there are whole departments set up and not saying you do away with these departments, but I know these departments, as an example, people analytics in companies is a massive function that never has the time to get to what people really want because they are so strapped because they're trying to figure out what the heck is going on in the organization. The, the sales leader, the chief com commercial officer wants to know why we had a bad quarter and they're trying to understand all this. And so they're asking their people analytics team, can you run all the data on? All? And they're like, I, like what day, what, what requirements do they literally every analytics department on the internal side, because this happens all the time, just as a simple example in HR, we're in performance review goal setting season. The number of analytics and reports that are happening in an organization, trying to understand how did our company perform this year? How is that connected to the performance of our employees? How does that help us plan for what we need to do next year? Things like that. This is, I'm legitimately excited about what this possibility is because I've seen the number of teams who have zero capacity and I've seen the number of business leaders that are 
thriving for, I need this information to make better decisions and not, no, not that. And it ends up, and I've been on the email chains where there's 300 back and forth. No, 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 no. Can you get it with this? And poor Johnny or Jill, who's the one on the other end trying to sit and oh gosh, I got to run this report again and then send it to you. And then they go, no, I don't want it for that. Can you run it for this division? Can you run it for this function type of a thing? And you still can't even get to like, what are you actually getting at? This kind of power is significant. And I think especially as companies, I mean, we always have run on data, but never have we had it in a digital format where we could manipulate and do so much with it and actually make it actionable versus it's sitting on a, you know, notepad or, you know, file cabinet somewhere that uh, Lord knows we're never going to be able to do anything with it. Now it's actually in a format. It's in a medium we can actually tangibly do things with, but most companies have no idea how to even handle what's in their labs. I agree. There you go. I don't even work for you. And I'm legitimately that excited about what this could do for organizations. And to me, this is one of those very innovative ways that companies can think radically different about the way they're strategizing, the way they're planning, the way they're making decisions to make better decisions. And it makes for an overall better work culture because instead of wringing your people dry and squeezing blood from a turnip, going back and forth on just this like rote oh gosh, I got to pull this other report and now I got to do another one for this person in this division because it's the same report, but it's over here, but they don't like it this way because they want it this certain way. And it's thousands, millions of man hours Mm -hmm. and millions of dollars being spent on this. The companies aren't realizing it's just money just going straight out the door. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Anything you'd add to that? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I, I appreciate it, man. You're, 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 you're doing my work for me. So I, I would just say, you know, again, to anybody who's listening, uh, you know, feel free to reach out. We can do a demo and, and okay. just talk through, you know, like I said, it's, it's gotta be collaborative because you're the one who knows what your actual, what's going to actually move the needle. Right. I, it's yeah. hard. So, but you know, well, and kudos to you and don't are. lose that. Honestly, don't lose that. I actually think the humility you bring to that of saying we are a partner, but we're only as good as what you can give us. Like what you're going to get out of this is only as good as what you put into it. Your ability to think about the possibilities, your ability to think about these data points, the the new possibilities you're not exploring versus saying, hey, get this thing and it's magically going to change your business. Right. Well, it's not. And I think people know that. And I think bringing that attitude, I think just um, don't, don't lose that. Don't ever lose that. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you again. Like I said, I knew I was going to get excited about this one. It's a Wednesday snowy afternoon. And I think I'm just as excited about the fact that snow's melting. So I'm not going to have to go shovel again um, as I am about the topic. But Steve, this has truly been a, blast of a conversation. And again, for those watching and listening, regardless of what you're doing, there is so much more that you could be doing with your data. And I would encourage you to lean into the possibilities because it truly is transformational and the technology is there. So Steve, thanks so much for your time. Christopher, thanks so much for having me. All right. We'll talk to you later and everybody else, we will see you next week.